0: This is uh, Wednesday, October 26th. Uh, I've got a new book. Imagine that. Me with a new book. I got this at Scripture Truth down in uh, Fincastle. I haven't mentioned them in a while. So I was down there yesterday. I was down there the other day and got some really cool stuff. And then I went back yesterday. I just happened to be within a 30-mile you know, distance of them. and All right, so this book here is, it's called One Volume Seminary, a complete ministry education from the faculty of Moody Bible Institute and Moody Theological Seminary. Most, most might not be interested, but this book just came out this year at the i think the very beginning of this year or the very end of 2021 the date in it is 2022. um it has uh, this is these several different people that write in this book that are authors of the sections because they go to the faculty and they would put in whatever whatever they teach So this is from actual faculty at Moody Bible College. Uh, Section one is doctrinal basics. And then section two is ministry to the flock. Uh, Special situation ministry to the flock is uh, section three. Ministry to the world uh, is section four. Proclaiming the word in worship and preaching, section five practical church skills in section six Um, so part of my continuing education a lot of really good stuff in here under each one of those sections uh all kinds of things are are talked about so i started reading a little bit of that and very pleased with it so remember scripture truth if you need anything if you want to uh, check them out, they have a uh, newsletter that goes out once a month, and they said that that book right there has sold really, really well, because they featured it on the front of their, the newsletter that they send out. Not really a newsletter, but just like a little catalog letter. All right, I, I told y'all last week that, you know, as, as we get into Deuteronomy, that it goes the fifth book, that's the fifth book of the Pentateuch. And the last group of psalms, there's five different song books. And each one matches up with one of those five books, the first five books of the Bible. And when you get to the last song book, Starts with Psalm 107 and goes all the way through to 150. And that song book is sometimes referred to as the Deuteronomy book of psalms. And I was wanting to get into Psalm 107. So we are going to be in Psalm 107 if you want to turn there. Because that is the first one of the psalm, of that last psalm book. Now, in this, oh, also, this is a. I've got three Bibles up here. I've got the. This is a Thompson Chain Reference Bible, and it's got all kinds of cool stuff at the end of it: maps and just certain words that will take you to all the different scriptures that deal with that particular word or topic so a Thompson chain reference is a very good Bible to have for study and this is this is a King James version what I normally preach out of is up here and it is a it is the old Schofield it uh, came, you know, uh, C.I. Schofield came out with this one back at the turn of the century. This, I'm talking 19, probably 1917, somewhere in there to get the old Schofield. You want to get, if you get a Schofield Bible, you want to get an old Schofield. After he passed away, some people thought they would correct some things and did not get the approval of hard to get the approval on someone who's passed away, so make sure you get the old. I got this Thompson chain reference at Scripture Truth down in Fincastle. I got this old Schofield right here. This is a new one, but it's an old one. I got this at uh, Scripture Truth down in Fincastle. It's also a King James Version. Now, These little details about the books of songs uh, that I read to you last week, breaking all that down, came out of what is called the Companion Bible. And it's E.W. Bullinger did it about the same time that Schofield did his study Bible. And... uh, the companion bible is really really good and i bought this at scripture truth down in Castle and it is a king james version so i got three bibles up here but they all are different in the study helps that are with it the companion bible has appendixes several of them in the back that go over certain topics that you might You might read through them, look through them, and go down through the list and say, well, I've often wondered about this. And he goes into detail and shows you where in the Bible it talks about that particular topic and helps you with that. And it has been very good for me in prepping for sermons or Bible studies or whatever. So in this uh, note that's right before the last set of Psalms, Starting with the 107, it says, it says Deuteronomy is man, this is his opinion, it says, uh, Deuteronomy is man's name for this book. So, it, it, but basically what, what that means, Deuteronomy, it's the second law. Well, it is given because Deuteronomy was a repetition of the law with variations, to suit the needs of the new generation in the land. The title in the Hebrew canon is, and it's wrote out here in Hebrew. Well, I can't read Hebrew. So over here it says in English, what the Hebrew actually means is, these are the words. That's what it really should be titled according to him. It is the book which contains the words of God and consists almost wholly of the testimonies, statutes, judgments of Jehovah. It was from this book that we mentioned that last week that the Savior, uh, when he was being tempted, got all of his, for it is written, quotes. So, that's just uh, just a little thing to, to say before we get into Psalm 107. But there's a whole page of comment about this last book of the Psalms, a whole page here. It's very interesting stuff. <clears throat> now, everybody should be at Psalm 107. And I mentioned last week that I was wanting to read some of Psalm 107, but I, I wasn't able to. I just went too too long in uh, Deuteronomy. But remember, this is going along with Deuteronomy. Okay? Now, something that I'm going to try to read or just quote it every time we come here. It's what I did this past Sunday. Psalm 122 says, the very first verse says, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. I just want to say that. I want to read that out of the Bible. In the very last verse, verse 9 of that same psalm says, Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Psalm 107, it's kind of long, 43 verses total. Very cool. Psalm. Awesome. Now as you go through it, there's four main points throughout Psalm 107. And I got this outline from Exploring Psalms by John Phillips. Y'all know that he is one of my favorites as far as commentary. Not sure if I got this at Scripture Truth, but good chance of it. I, ha- I might have had these already when, at the, when I got them from the, from the old man that I met that told me about the place many years ago. So, John Phillips is a master of language and outlines, and he is, it blows me away how he can make every point with the words that start with the same letters. It's just amazing. So the first point is, how God... See, all of these points, all four, start with how God, every one of them. And then the third word is an R word. So the first one is regathered. How God regathered the scattered and rejected people of Israel. So the end of every one of these is of Israel. The all of them have the R word, uh, A-R R word. Regathered is the first one, regarded is the second one, restored is the third one, and revived is the fourth one. Then, you, you notice scattered, that starts with an S, and rejected people, R-P. Every one of them has an S word and an R and a P word, So the first one, how God regathered the scattered and rejected people of Israel. The second one is, how God regarded the spiritual and real plight of Israel. The third one, how God restored the scarred and ruined property, R-P, ruined property of Israel. And the last one is, how God revived the, S word is social, and religious prosperity of Israel. That's the four main points. How did he pull that off? And then when he breaks it down, he does the same thing with how he breaks it down. Now, the first point is going to be covered in the first three verses of Psalm 107. I'm reading out of Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. What the Lord deserves. It's the first little point of the first part of regathered the scattered and rejected people of Israel. So what does the Lord deserve? It's right here in this first verse our praise, and our thanks. In other words, our worship. That's what the Lord deserves. In verses 2 and 3, it's what the Lord did. Deserves and then did. Both start with a D. So what did he do? Verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, "...whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, or the clutch of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south." That's what he did. And the people of God who who, uh, are giving thanks unto the Lord, knowing that his mercy endureth forever, Let the redeemed say so. I mean, who else is going to? Who else is going to spread this praise and let everybody know that there is a God that can take you out of some really bad situations, even though you got yourselves into them, there is a God that you can call upon that that is more than willing to get you out. And this psalm is all about that. This is also in reference to the nation of Israel being in Babylonian captivity for 70 years, and now they are going to be... uh, This is a picture of them being pulled back to their homeland. But when you see, gathered them out of the lands from the east and the west and the north and the south, It's also talking about a future date we don't know how far in the future that we actually we've seen it happening in the last hundred years or so we've seen the totally scattered Jewish nation that was all over the world slowly being brought back to Israel we saw Israel actually become a nation again nobody thought that would ever happen back in the day when it did Then the nations around Israel went to destroy it, and they were so overmatched, but they had God on their side, and it was just a very short war, and all those other nations said, what's up with that? And they backed off. And they still hate them, but there's something special about it. So So not only is this talking about, right here, talking about those people... So it was Cyrus who let them go out of the Babylonian captivity. If you was to go back in time and be in that situation and how they were so powerful, and one person saying, we need to go back to our homeland, did did Daniel talk to Cyrus about how long the captivity, captivity was going to be? did daniel see, daniel prayed Dan, may, well, maybe it was daniel's prayer maybe it was him giving cyrus the word the true word and it got inside of him but it was like it was a miracle that he would ever let them go the clutch of the hand of the enemy was on the nation of israel and there's no way they could get loose from it no way and it makes me think of David being a shepherd and a little lamb strayed too far from the flock and a bear came out of the woods and that little lamb had no chance. Once it got into the clutch of that bear, it was up to David. who David represents Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He represents him he's a type and picture and when we see david who with no fear rushed out and grabbed a hold of that bear and was able to loose the lamb from the jaws of a bear that was way overpowering it and killed that bear i see jesus coming down and taking us from the grip of satan and delivering us from that sure death that we could do nothing to get away from. So you see God coming down and like David, delivering that little lamb from the bear. See, Cyrus, that 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 kingdom, when you read Daniel, you see that he that was a bear. That was one of the creatures that that he he he, he read what he dreamed, the, the, the dreams that he had and he said he saw a bear, and then the bear had three ribs in his mouth. That bear was the Persian nation. And those three ribs were were the the nations that they had defeated beforehand. Because they defeated more than just the Babylonians. So isn't that cool? Isn't that so cool? Interesting. That's what the Lord did he deserves our praise and our thanks because of what He did. Okay, now, the next section, and it goes all the way, it's from 4 to all the way to 32, but they're, breaking, they're broken down into four different little stories, and I want you to notice, this is, this is how God regarded the spiritual and the real plight of Israel. The first one is a person lost in the desert. The nation of Israel was lost in the desert. So so pay very close attention to verses 4 through 9 and think about you being lost in a desert. 4 through 9. 4, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. And if you're thinking about yourself, you know, say a man uh, is too proud to ask for direction, and he becomes lost. He's he's acting on his own. And this nation of Israel had wandered in the desert. They were trying to do it their way, not God's way. They found no city to dwell in. So they were out in the in the environment. They it was it was uh, no shelters. They couldn't reliably have a place they were wandering in this they were lost hungry and thirsty their soul fainted in them then they cried and each one of these four examples you're going to see that very same thing said over again four times you're going to see then they cried unto the lord in their trouble you're going to see that four different times So, they get themselves in a mess, they get themselves lost, and they're hungry and they're thirsty, and they're about to faint. And then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses, and He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Look at verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Go over to verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. That's exactly the same thing, right? Then go over to 21. Same thing. Then go to 31. Same thing. So, what we have is in each one of these situations, you have a desperate condition. Being lost in a desert, you're in a desperate condition. Then there's going to be a dismal confession. Again, this is brilliant, nothing I could come up with. This is uh, John Phillips. Desperate condition, then a dismal confession, then a dramatic conclusion, and the very last verse of each one of these little stories is a determined conviction. So each one of these four pictures, the psalmist describes Israel's desperate condition, he makes a dismal confession, he comes to a dramatic conclusion, and he ends with a determined conviction. Each one of these has a cause and then a cure. So that, ver- that last one, the determined conviction, in this first little story, for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. That's what he finally does to end it. Now, verse 10 starts the next story. So the first story was a person lost in the desert. The second story is a person locked in a dungeon. Notice lost desert, locked dungeon. So started with 10. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound. Notice these words. See, over in the first story, it was wandered. And what happens when you're wander, You're lost, you're wandering? Here, you're bound in affliction and iron. Yeah, they'll lock you up. They'll put, your, they'll put you behind iron bars, and they'll put the handcuffs of iron on you, and maybe even your feet. Because, why? Why were they in this situation of darkness and in the shadow of death being bound in affliction? Why? Because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned, the counsel of the Most High. They just just did not. They rebelled against the words of God and then they just would not take in the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. When you get uh, put in prison, you might have to go out and do a bunch of labor to pay for your crime. They fell down and there was none to help. Now, when you're in that really bad situation, what do you do? Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. That means to separate them. Sunder. That's a King James word. It's a good word. I like that word. So your chains were broken in half so you could escape the bands that were around your ankles, broken. Then here's that 15, we already, we've already read it. It's the one that you see in all four of these, along with, Then they cried unto the Lord their trouble. Now it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder, in two. And that ends the second one, the locked in a dungeon. Now the third one starts with 17. This one is a person lying on a deathbed. How did they get in that position? Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted their soul abhorreth all manner of meat when you see the word meat in the king james bible it's food not necessarily meat as we would use that term today this is their food all right what happens when you're on your deathbed you lose your appetite you end up losing your will to live and then you pass on we've seen it many many times When you ask yourself about each one of these, as we go through each one of these, are you spiritually lost in the desert? Are you spiritually locked up in a dungeon? Are there things that are holding you down, things that have trapped you? Worldly things will do that. Addictions are uh, a dungeon. Are you spiritually on your deathbed? Or you, do you have no desire to eat the Word of God? Have you lost your appetite for the things of God? Continue with verse 18. And they draw near unto the gates of death. Well, when you get in that bad situation, what do you do to fix it? Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distresses. How did he fix it? How, what, does, what is the cure? This is like the main verse of this whole thing. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And then once he, once he, he, he cures the situation, and then that same verse over again, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You know how when you sing a song, you say, you say the same main thing over again? You know, as you go through the song, you start over, and you might say the same thing over. This is a song that the Jewish people would have been singing, and it's laid out like a song. It tells a story. It gives you a little short example of why you got yourself in this mess, and then, what you got to do to get out of the mess, and then what God does to deliver you from the mess that you got yourself into. A sad country song. But this one's got a good ending. It ends well. Don't, don't be uh, sad. Don't be depressed. And, and uh, 22, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Remember the dramatic conclusion. Is in the very last verse before the new story starts up in every one of these. So, and they and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of Thanksgiving. That's what you finally get out of all of this. And this one little story here. All right, the, the fourth story is a person lashed on the deep. Lashed on the deep. 23, they that go down to the sea in the ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Boy, do they. As you read through the Bible, just in the Gospels, you see the, these experienced fishermen going out on the Sea of Galilee, and all of a sudden this terrible storm whips up out of nowhere, which still happens to this day on the Sea of Galilee, and they are freaking out, thinking they're all going to die. Okay? So that's what this is talking about. That a person who goes out on the ocean would would understand what could happen. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. Once the wind gets to a certain, you know, I've been out on the the boat to go out to the Gulf Stream four times, and the, the year that there's a couple other people sitting in here right now that went out with me one of those times. And the wind was a little strong that day, and it was, it was rough. It was really rough out there. And that's not a storm. And I know how bad it can be when it's not even a storm. Let's continue on. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. The waves can get so bad, and you've seen pictures of it, of a a storm and a ship at the top of a wave out in the middle of the ocean, and then there's like a drop-off. Or you could be a ship that's down in the bottom of one of those, and you see water, a wall of water in every direction, and you're down in the depths of it. It is a horrible experience to be in that situation your soul, it will melt because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Like I said, you know, we, we're going out to the Gulf Stream. There's no storm because if there was any roughness, chances are you're not going out. So, you're you're riding out and that boat is boom boom boom. Guys, you're going out through there and you try to get up and walk to the other side of the boat in the inside cabin. It's funny. These guys can vouch for me over here. You, we watched and you try to get up. If you're not if you're not used to it and you get up and that boat is doing this and you're trying to and it you'll you look like you are drunk trying to walk just a few steps. So you get yourself in this horrible situation, lashed on the deep. You're being, you have no control over anything. You are at the mercy of the sea. And what do you do? Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses, He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet, so He bringeth them unto their desired haven. And then, O that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of the elders. So that's the, uh, the end of, that's that determined conviction, after that dramatic conclusion that let them exalt him, also in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of the elders. That's what we should be doing here every Sunday morning, bringing people into the house of the Lord and doing this. Because we have the answers, because we believe this book right here, the Holy Scriptures, we believe it, and the answers are in this book. So if you're lost in the desert, if you're locked up in the dungeon, if you are lying on the spiritual deathbed, if you're being lashed by the deep, we have the answers, and they're all right here. So we want to bring people in. Now the the third main topic, notice... Notice the the cause of of all this and the cure of all this in each one of those little stories. Make sure you keep that in mind. Now, the third main heading was uh, how God restored the scarred and ruined property of Israel. Now, in, in verse 33 and 34, it's a picture of what the nation of Israel saw when they went back to their homeland. Now, Something caused that. And it was their forefathers who, who did all these things that we just talked about. All these, exa- these four examples, they did those things and they were uh, defeated by their enemy. They were in the clutch of the bear and they were in captivity. And all of Jerusalem, that their, their homeland was barrenness. So 33 and 34 talk about that. Let's see, 33. He turneth rivers into a wilderness, and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness, for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. That's why. They were wicked. They They had turned away from all the things that God wanted them to do. That's what happened. So, the land made barren. The next three verses, actually four verses, is the land made beautiful. So let's read 35 through 38. So you see, the, uh, the, those two verses I just read, that's barrenness, desert, dry, nothing can grow. It's a horrible barren land because of the sin of the Jewish people. We live in a dry and barren land when we do not do what God wants us to do, spiritually. As a nation, we could go through droughts. We can have terrible storms. It says right here, God commandeth this storm, the wind to blow, and the sea to go crazy. 35. The land made beautiful. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare a city for habitation. Notice, these, notice what he's talking about here. The, all these problems that they had over here in these stories. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They didn't have a place to stay. What, what is a city? You have rural areas and then you have a city. Why is it a city? what makes a, what makes a city a city why is it not a town if it gets to city phase that means a big population once you get if you don't have the population you're just a town but once you get to a certain population it changes to a city okay so what we have here is the the barren ground how does he's making it beautiful again it went from barren. remember, this was the land of milk and honey. It had everything. It was wonderful, and they destroyed it. And God is now making it beautiful again. And the first thing we see to make it beautiful is, here's three words that start with P. Precipitation. Drought is dusty. Drought is horrible. We hate drought. Precipitation the rains that come down and make everything green, make things produce. So we have precipitation, and then that dwell, so he's looking for a city, may prepare a city for them. Why? Population. We are to be fruitful and multiply. We, it's a blessing when you have lots of children and you're able to, to populate. So we have precipitation, we have population, and then 37, And sow the fields and plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. Productivity. Those are the three words, start with a P. Precipitation, population, productivity. Okay, our church right here, are we suffering from a bit of a drought? We need the rains of God. That's what we need. We need to pray. We need to to, uh, cry unto the Lord in our trouble. And He, if we do that, He will save us from our distresses. Do we have some distresses going on here? We need some more population in our church, right? And we're not the only one. We need to be praying that other churches start to get filled up too. While I was down there, purchasing that one book, it took me over an hour to purchase that one book. And I, and, and Jason, he talks to a whole bunch of preachers. A bunch of preachers are just drawn to that place for some reason. And he, I was telling them about some you know, things that are going on here and, and from other churches that I've been to and things that happened. I've kind of mentioned it a little bit here and, and services. And He said, I I hear that same thing over and over and over again. Why are the churches in a drought situation? They need the latter rain. They need some rain to come down, and we need to work on some population, and with that population, we can be way more productive. Productivity. That's what we're looking for. We want to be productive for God and what He's called us to do. Now, 38 is the last verse of this, uh, uh, The Lamb Made Beautiful. 38 says, He blesseth them also so that they are multiplied greatly and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. So we're going to be productive. Now, 39 and 40 goes back to a a couple bad verses, a negative, but it ends up with the reason God did all these things, putting people through these miseries of life. So let's read 39 and 40. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction and sorrow. Now, after what we just read above here, you think, well, I thought we were over all this bad stuff, but he's just reminding you that there is a sadness to Israel's judgment. There's a sadness to our judgment. So 39 again, again, the first word is again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow he poureth contempt upon princes and causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. And now to finish it up with uh, the success of Israel's judgment. The success of our judgment is the last verse, three verses. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction and maketh him... Families like a flock. Just imagine this big flock of little lambs running around. That's a good thing. Don't be scared of population. There are people who are so scared of overpopulation. Scared of it. That's a bad way to be. All right, where was that? Uh, 42. The righteous shall see it, and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And that is Psalm 107. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come in into your house. Father, we are so glad that we have come to the house of the Lord. Father, many things that we've done wrong. Father, we think we have great ideas. Father, we just want to make sure that our ideas line up with yours. So, Father, we're asking that you would help us. Father, we get ourselves in a mess. Father, we we become lost. We become locked up. Father, we could possibly even become spiritually on our deathbed. We can be out in a we can get ourselves in such a mess that we just can't get ourselves out of the stormy sea. And Father, when all looks like it's lost, we cry unto you to deliver us. And Father, we are crying unto you right now. And Father, we may have made the land barren, but Father, you can make it beautiful again. And Father, we ask for that rain, the the precipitation to come down and to help regrow this barren land. Father, we pray for more people. And Father, with that, that we will use the blessing of increase to be more productive for what you want us to do. And Father, we know that there is judgment that comes from you. Father, we we know that we deserve the the judgment, the discipline that you give us. And Father, we are thankful in that. that We know that we are your sons and daughters when you punish us, that when you keep us from going astray. Father, you protect us. And Father, we know that through all the trials and tribulations, the things that we do get into that we face in this life are just part of the plan that will one day be successful. We know how this wonderful Bible ends. But Father, we're just trying to reach out to those who need to be saved Father, those who don't even know that they can call out to you. Father, help us to introduce your son to all of those people who need to know you. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.